Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're studying the topic of healing, physical healing. And we realize that it's important for us to walk in divine health. God knows it's important for us to walk in divine health. Uh, and, and let's just be real practical here. The reason why it is important for us to walk in divine health, and the reason why it is, is, is very important and very close to the heart of God that every one of us in this room walk in divine health is because every one of us in this room has an assignment placed on our lives. And just like one of the very first ways that God revealed himself in the scriptures after the Israelites left Egypt, within just a few days, three days out of the Red Sea, past the Red Sea, God revealed himself with the Hebrew term Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. And we talked about this, I think, last week or the week before. Why? Why? Because they had an assignment on their lives And for them to continue to walk in sickness would have prevented them from accomplishing that assignment. Their assignment was supposed to go take the promised land. And specifically saying they're supposed to go take back the promised land that originally had been given to their great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, Abraham. So when you have an assignment on your life, how many know if you have an assignment on your life and you're sick, how are you going to carry it out? So it's important, and that's why it's included in the entire package of salvation, is it includes healing for many various different reasons. We're touching a lot of them because I don't know about you, but I'm prepared to keep teaching this until the Holy Spirit says, okay, that's enough. Why? Because people are always getting sick. We're always going to face challenges. We always have opportunities to believe God for strength and for healing and for for energy, physical energy. So it's important. Why? Because we have an assignment on our lives. Turn to somebody and say, you've got an assignment on your life. That needs to be accomplished. Look look back and go, that needs to be accomplished. Uh, Are you with me? Do you see how practical this is? Now, is it any wonder that the devil has fought this message? Is it any wonder that the devil has infiltrated denominations over the, over the centuries for them to come to this conclusion? Well, yeah, yeah, God used to do that. But you know, that stopped after the original apostles and we don't see miracles anymore. Maybe you don't see miracles anymore. I remember many, many years ago, there were some denominational groups in the area that told their families, don't visit that church. Don't send your teenagers to that church. And we had, at that time, we had 180 out here, and it was very front and center, because they believe in healing. That makes as much sense to tell somebody, don't take your kids to the ER because they believe in trying to get them better. And when the discussion opened up, why they took this position? Well, because my grandmother was sick and she died. 
My grandmother died too. How long did you want her to hang around here? And how do we know she wasn't 105 years old when she died? Are you listening to me? What I'm, this, see, you have to approach these things with common sense because the devil always spins things and, and to try to make them mystical and sound spiritual. And then when you look at it, you go, well, the package looks fancy, but this doesn't work. That's why this message has been under such attack from a lot of different groups and denominations. And you know how it is. One movement starts and the Holy Spirit raises up a group of people and they get on fire for God and they're going to they're gonna do it. And then the next group that comes gets persecuted by that group. Why would the devil not want you healed? Because you got an assignment on your life. You understand that Lazarus, if you go study church history, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, right? He was a young man. He had an assignment on his life. I was just reading this this morning. I was doing my own Bible reading this morning. I was reading the Gospel of John, John chapter 11, John chapter 12, and I was sitting there talking about Lazarus, talks about his sisters. The, the religious leaders, this is how sick you can get when you listen to the devil, plotted to kill Lazarus because Jesus raised him from the dead. What makes you think Jesus ain't going to come back and raise him again? You see how crazy it is when you start listening to demonic influence in your mind? And it, but it sounds so spiritual. Yeah, but it's dead wrong. So watch this now. So Lazarus gets raised from the dead. It's really, if you look at it chronologically, it didn't happen too much. It wasn't that far apart from Lazarus' resurrection and Jesus' resurrection. Okay? So Lazarus gets raised from the dead and a persecution breaks out. Not only were they plotting to kill Jesus, but they said, we gotta kill this other guy too because so many people believed in Jesus because they said, hey, we went to this guy's wake. We saw him in the coffin. They threw him in the tomb. He's in there for four days. This isn't like... Well, he might have just faked it for a half an hour. He's in the tomb for four days. In fact, his sister was even hesitant. When Jesus says, roll away the sun, she goes, uh, wait a minute. I don't really want to smell this. She, Lord, he, you know, she tried to dress it up. He stinketh by now. But watch this now. Lazarus had an assignment on his life because church history tells us that when the persecution broke out and the disciples fled from Jerusalem, guess what? All the disciples left and went here, went there, went the other places, and we find out that Lazarus ends up in Cyprus and starts churches. And you can go visit that area of Cyprus today, and there's, there's still Christians there, descendants of those who were affected by Lazarus, you, you know, you're on an island, and all of a sudden, this guy comes in a boat, and you find out, well, wait, this is the guy that we've been hearing about that was in the tomb for four days, and now he's walking off the boat? Yeah, I think I want to go to his church and see what he's got to say. <laughs> Are you hearing me? I like common sense. Plain, give me plain wisdom. Don't give me super spiritual mystical garbage. Amen. Jesus never taught super spiritual mystical garbage. Jesus taught common sense. Well, you could take it and run with it. You could take it and apply it. 
Amen? Amen. So, we found out last week that it's our, our legal right, according to our covenant with God Almighty through Jesus. He's the mediator of that covenant. That covenant contains a provision for healing. Remember this? Okay, if you weren't here last week, real quick, remember this. If Jesus came to the earth to undo everything that the devil did, according to Acts chapter 10, verse 38, okay, tells us that he came to undo the works of the enemy, then we have to understand and grasp the reality of he came to undo everything that the devil brought into our life experience, into the human experience. And when sin came into the world, sickness, disease, poverty, oppression, everything came in that is contrary to the word of God. So it cannot be that Jesus just came to save us spiritually so we can go to hell. But what if I'm living hell here on earth? Should that not qualify for redemption also? Yes, the answer is yes. If we're walking, we get a chance to get a glimpse of what heaven is like. And so you can't say, well, you know, Jesus redeemed me, but you know, I'll just have to put up with some sickness while I'm here. Well, was it only a partial redemption? Of course not. Now, let me ask you this question again, just laying some groundwork, and then we're going to get to the scriptures. How did you, I'm assuming everybody in here, I'm just assuming everybody in here has experienced salvation. In other words, there was a point in your life, whether it was yesterday or 40 years ago, at some point in your life, you came to the conclusion in your heart that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you spoke, come on now, you spoke it out. And you said, Jesus, I believe in you. Be my Lord, be my Savior. And instantaneously, the Holy Spirit came in you. You got born again. How did you receive that? How did you receive that? By faith. By faith. Do not forget this divine exchange system that God has set up in his kingdom. He makes grace available. And the way you and I receive it is by faith. Everything in the kingdom works this way. Everything. When you provide the faith, it releases his grace. Okay? It could be faith as a mustard seed, or it could be great faith like that centurion had. But it requires some measure of faith. Now, we're also told, this is good, that God in his mercy and his goodness has provided for each person the measure of faith. Well, how much is it, Pastor? Is it a quart? Is it a pint? Is it a half a gallon? It's whatever you needed to get born again. That's your initial faith experience. But everything after that's still going to require faith. But, but think about this. How easy did you get born again? You didn't even realize what was happening. You spoke with your mouth what you believed in your heart, and it manifested. Yes or no? Did you have to struggle? Did you have to beg God? Did you have to go climb Mount Everest? Did you have to make a deal with him? No. All he wanted was your faith. All God has ever wanted was our faith. All God wanted from Adam and Eve was their faith. 
That's all he's ever wanted for us. All for, for just us to make some expression and some demonstration. I trust you. I believe in you. Bam. So don't forget that. See, because the other thing that the devil will do is make you, oh, okay, well, yeah, you're, you're born again. Yeah, well, I know that. And he can't stop you from getting born again. But then what he'll try to do is complicate every other system that you will operate in. You need finances? Pour out some faith. Now, finances, finances are a little tricky. Now, I'm just going to throw this out because I'm going to teach on this extensively in a couple of months from now. Finance is the only one that's a little sticky because finances always depends on a third party. All right? Did you ever get a check that came right from heaven? I want to see it if you got one. Are you listening to me? Well, when you need a financial breakthrough, what is it, what is it going to tell? What's the mechanics of a financial breakthrough? You pray. You tell God, look, you said in your word that you're going to supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. You said in the Old Testament that uh, uh, you delight in the prosperity of your servants. John said that he, above all things, wishes that we would be in good health and prosper, even as our souls prosper. So, Father, I have a need here. I got a financial need. I, I receive it from you. Thank you. God doesn't go to the angels and say, hey, listen, go drop this in the mailbox so that you know, Joe gets it on the earth. What, what is it? There's a third party involved. Somebody needs to hear this, otherwise I would not be on this topic because this is, 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 this is going away from my notes here. Okay, listen, you're struggling and you're thinking, why isn't it happening? Why isn't God doing it? God, stop praying to God. He's not holding it back. Start praying for God to touch the heart of the individual that is supposed to be used to bring that blessing in your possession. Whether it's an insurance company that owes you money, whether it's the IRS that owes you money, whether it's a refund that you're expecting, whether it's whatever it is, somebody owes you money, they won't pay it. Father, deal with them. Don't let them sleep tonight. God's not holding the money back. Somebody on earth is withholding it. So what do you do? You send your angels. Angels, you know where it is. Go get it. I'm telling you, somebody's here struggling with that. If you'll do that, I'm telling you, based on the authority of the word of God, you're going to see a breakthrough. Exodus chapter 15. And there he, God, made a statue and an ordinance, a I don't want to say law. Here. God established a policy. All right? There he tested them. This is three days after they came out of the Red Sea. And said, if you'll diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. Remember, they saw the boils. They saw all the dead people. They saw the effects of the judgment. He said, that's not going to happen to you. For I am the Lord who heals you. Say that with me. For I am the Lord who heals you. You think God would say that and then later on say, well, you know, I was only kidding. I said it to them, but it's not for you. Would he? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, from the Amplified Version. He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men. 
a man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hide their, hid their faces or hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. How does Isaiah know this 700 years before Jesus came to the earth? He saw this in a vision. He saw into the future. He saw the crucifixion. He saw the Romans torturing Jesus. And then he writes it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that the people would have this hope of knowing someday when this happens to this individual, surrounded by all this circumstance that's here, you will know this is the one that Isaiah spoke of 700 years before. Surely he has borne, what does that mean, borne? Carried our griefs and sicknesses and weaknesses and distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Remember, we, I talked about this last week. Leprosy is always symbolic of sin. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. What's a transgression? A transgression is when you, plain language, you stepped over the line. Jesus was wounded for that. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. So like anything else in the kingdom, we receive these promises by faith. In fact, one major obstacle to receiving our healing is doubt and unbelief. You, you, you got to believe God. Now, he'll work with you if it's the very first time. You're, if you're a brand new baby Christian, you just got born again recently, and all of a sudden now you got hit with some kind of sickness or something like that. Because of the fact that your knowledge may be limited, God's not going to go, no, you're going to have to suffer until you learn a few more things. Now, see, religion will tell you that, but that's not our God. You know, you didn't quote that scripture right. Go back and read it again. When you come back, if you say it right, then maybe I'll heal you. No, he meets you where you're at. You're listening to him. He'll meet you where you're at. I remember years and years ago when, when Pastor Mike, who's Pastor Mike now, my son Michael, was a baby. He was, when he was born, he had some complications and difficulties. You guys have heard me talk about that. Though he was going to die at birth, didn't, thank God. But then I noticed he was about five or six months old, and we noticed that his legs were starting to bow. And I thought to myself, I don't want my son in one. You know, I don't know what they do now, but back then they used to put the babies in a cast. That was the most difficult thing to be able to watch those kids in those casts. And, and I thought to myself, no, now, I didn't know much. I was only born again a few months, I guess. Well, I got born again right after Michael was born, so maybe I was born again about five or six months. Now, I got to, to, to church one night, and we had a guest speaker there. Now, I'm just going to tell you what happened. You choose to believe it. If you don't, you don't. I was there. I saw it. This guy was a coal miner. You remember him? And in West Virginia. And was crushed in a coal mining accident. Spine completely crushed. And then God healed him. And he literally would carry around the x-rays to show that his spine was crushed, and yet he's fine. And he's walking around. And he was telling the story. He was a traveling evangelist. Believe me if you want. In fact, he tried to tell the Social Security that he didn't need to take the pension anymore. And they said, but your x-rays show you that you're, 
He said, but I'm, but I'm fine. Yeah, but your x-rays. But I'm fine. I, I don't really need to take this pension anymore. But your x-rays. Finally said, okay. So he told this story. I'm getting to someplace with this. He said he was driving through a country area up in the mountains. And he noticed uh, flashing lights, ambulance and police, stuff like this. I don't know if you remember the story. You might remember because I know you were there that night. Okay. And, and he's driving by, and it was bad. And as he's driving, the Lord speaks to him and says, I want you to stop the car. I want you to go lay hands on the man in the front seat and, and, and get him healed. So he stops the car. He starts walking. The, you know, police are there, the EMT, fire department. Sir, you can't. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a licensed minister, and the Lord told me to go pray for this. He said, it's too late. The man's dead. So he turns around, goes back to his car, and the Lord says to him, I told you to go pray for the man in the front seat. He goes back, and they stop him again. He said, but you don't understand, the Lord told me to go pray for this man. He said, there's hardly anything left of that man. He's shoved underneath in pieces. So let's go back to his car. You know, it's, you know where I'm going with this. The Lord says to him, I told you to go pray for that man in the front seat. He waited until people were distracted. He walked over to the car, shoved his hand underneath the steering wheel until he grabbed onto some flesh, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, live. <gasps> Everybody's running all over the place. So now I'm like five, six months in the Lord. <clears throat> Mind you, I, I led the first person to the Lord the day after I got saved. Okay? So... I'm home, she was out shopping. I'm home, and I'm reading this guy's book again, and I'm all charged. Now, I don't know anything about anything. She walks in, I walk out to start bringing groceries out of the car. She had put Michael in the, you remember when they had play pens? If we ever find out who stopped making play pens. Now, while she was carrying him in, as I'm passing by, because she wasn't saved yet. Now, she never gave me any problem with it. I go, I grab his leg, and I went, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> she puts him in the playpen. I'm bringing the groceries in. I pass by the playpen. I went, <laughs> his legs are straight. <laughs> so I grab her. I said, come here. Look at this. I said, I just tapped his leg and just prayed in Jesus' name. And I told her the story about the traveling missionary. His legs got straight. Now watch this now. Oh, I know a whole lot more scriptures now than I did then. But you want to know something? That was one of the most notable miracles I've ever seen in my life. Amen. Now why did I share that story? Because God will meet you where you're at. Amen. I didn't have a lot of knowledge, but I had the faith. Because all I thought to was, if God could do it through that man... And he's walking around with a crushed spine. He could do it through me. And he could do it through you. If you have enough faith, God will meet you where you're at. Now, I don't want you to think because I said, I want us to wait till we get a bunch of scriptures in us and then we'll pray for the sick. Now, see, the devil could take that and run with it and twist it around in your mind and say, well, you, you don't know enough yet, so don't go up there. You don't know enough yet, so don't go up there. Paul said that we shouldn't be ignorant of the enemy's devices, and he is deceptive. Amen? Amen. 
So, again, what I want to talk about now for the next 20 minutes or so. Everything you and I receive from the kingdom of God, we receive by faith. We talked about that just a few minutes ago. Number one, faith for healing starts with the knowledge of the word. Now, I was a good Catholic boy. I went to Catholic school for the time I was in kindergarten, one time to up sixth grade, and then went to public high, uh, junior high school after that. I knew that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I knew that I didn't know the mechanics. I had no idea. I never heard the term born again. But I knew that I had to have faith in Jesus if I was going to go to heaven. So I understood that much. But I had absolutely no idea about healing, no idea that God wanted us to live in peace, no idea of any of the other benefits of salvation, none whatsoever. I knew God was real. You didn't have to tell me. In fact, through all the horrors of my life, teen years, early adulthood, horrible. But I, no, I've never once ever doubted that God was real. So I, I had faith for, for, for the fact that when I died, I'm prob probably, because, you know, having grown up that way, the best you can get is probably, I'll probably go to heaven. But I had no idea about this healing stuff. Why? I didn't know one scripture, not one. The very first scripture that ever impacted my life within days after I got born again was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. About being a new creation. Okay, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. That was like, yeah, I'm, that's mine. When I started to understand that the more knowledge of the word of God that we have, number one, the more intimacy we can experience with God, the more we can see those promises actually come to pass. Because you see, you can't believe something that you don't know has even been offered to you. That's why most of the time we want to pray for people. When you ask them, you say, would you believe if I pray for you? Well, I hope so. Now, now that's a, don't, don't, don't turn your nose down at that. You see, everything starts with hope. But hope is not supposed to remain hope. Hope is like the, the, is like the staging, uh, what do you call it, like the launch pad. You start with hope, because if you have no hope, you're in bad shape. Okay? But hope is supposed to be now nurtured, and it's supposed to be boosted and, and kind of like fed with faith so that hope can convert to faith, and faith is what gets a hold of what you need from God. Amen. So your relatives that are not yet born again, and you, you know, well, I hope God would do that. Don't go, well, you shouldn't hope. Go, okay, keep hoping. While you're hoping, read this. Give them the word. Give them the word. Give them the word, okay? If you were not raised in, in, in a type of church that emphasized the word, you need to get that deep down inside. Everything happens in our life according to the word. In other words, without word, there is no transformation in your life. Without word, there, without the word of God, there is no spiritual growth in your life, okay? You'll go to heaven because you received Christ, 
But you had to have believed something about the word said, or there would be no way for you to express faith in what God said about Jesus. Are you catching this? Some of you look at me like, "Mm, I don't know if I'm following you. Okay, again, remember that exchange. You have to be able to, you have to, be able to release faith in order to receive grace, yes? yes. Well, faith comes by, hearing. and hearing what? Word. The word. Are you catching this? Uh, let me get back in here. First John chapter 5, verse 14. I'm glad this is in here, because I was going to go through it anyway. First John 5, 14. Watch this now. Look at this. I mean, many of you that have been coming to church here for a while, you know I'm a stickler for this verse, the scripture here. All right? And I'll, let me tell you how I got on this, and it's like, it's become one of my, like, go-to scriptures. Years and years ago, forget, I've been in this thing now for 34 years. Years and years ago, there was a foolish teaching that was going on. And, you know, if you stay in the church long enough, or would stay, you know, in the body of Christ long enough, you'll see that there's a cycle. Every few years, you might have the same foolishness that comes up, because the devil keeps trying to twist scriptures and get people confused. That teaching back then was that you had to actively pray and break people's words over you and break people's uh, prayers over you that, that were ungodly. I almost fell for it. And then I came across the scripture. And people would say, you, you old timers remember this, you, know, you gotta break those soulish prayers. Soulish prayers, okay? In other words, there were prayers that came out of a person's soul. Not, not their spirit. And I thought to myself, something doesn't sound right with this thing. And then I came across this scripture. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God. What translation is that? Is that amplified? Oh, right, whatever. Let's not waste time. This is the confidence that we, we have in, in, in who? In God, approaching God. That if, watch this now. If we ask anything according to what? Say it with me. His will. He hears us. And people would spend time and tormented minds. Somebody's, somebody's got to be praying soulish prayers over me because my life is in a shambles. No, your life is in a shambles because you're making the wrong decisions. Yeah, but people are praying the wrong things for me. But it says here that if it's not according to his will... He don't hear you anyway. Are you catching this? Go to verse 15, and then we'll go back to this, because this is important. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we what? Come on. That we have what we ask of him. This is why God doesn't make the person down the street divorce their spouse so that you can go out with them. Because there are people that pray stupid. Of course, nobody in here would do that. But there are people that pray stupid prayers like that. Oh, God, you know, let the wife uh, depart from that guy because I think they're hot. (laughs) That ain't going to happen. Why? Because it's not according to God's will. Now, let me ask you this question because this is important. How are you going to? Well, you know, Pastor, we just can never know God's will. Says who? Who told you that? We know he moves in mysterious ways. Can I borrow your Bible for a minute? I'm sorry. 
You want to find out God's will? Here it is. See, because when you go find out what God says about your situation, now you know his will. Now when you pray, you're praying according to his will, not according to your, oh, God, please, and God, can you please make it happen, and oh, God. Come on, now, we'll grab this. See, your mother doesn't get up again. Are you listening to me? Years and years ago, when we were in the first public school that we started the church in, well, actually, second one, a woman come up to me after service. I need a word from God. Really? Yeah, pastor, I need a word from God. I got a whole book full of them. Here you go. Now, for those of you that don't understand that terminology, what she was saying was, I need to hear a message from God, and I want a supernatural one that's going to come through you. I didn't have any word for her person. What do I need a word for? I got a whole book full of them. I went here. There's a whole book full. Pick them out. See, that's, that's a more sure word. It's not tainted by a person's personality. It's not tainted by somebody coming in front of you that might, have a, might not have a pure agenda and a pure heart. I told you the story about one of the first guest speakers we had here on a midweek service 21, 20 years ago, 22 years, no, 19 years ago. First couple of years, we didn't have any guest speakers at all because it was important for the people to get to know who the pastor is instead of having other people coming in and messing things up. So this guy comes in, and he was teaching a message. I don't know where the heck. To this day, I don't even know what he really taught on. It was just a whole bunch of just blah, 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 blah. You know, like Charlie Brown? Good man. Yes, good man. Well-meaning. By the time he's done, at that time, that church, that Thursday night service, we said Thursday nights, Maybe would have been about 100, maybe about 7,500 people there. I'm not exaggerating at all, about 7,500 people. By the time that guy was done, every single person in that service was going somewhere overseas as a missionary, except for my family. <laughs> and thus saith the Lord, you're going to Botswana, and you're going to Nigeria, and you're going, I'm sitting there, I've got no congregation. By the time this guy's done, there's going to be a congregation left. Who's going to Russia? Who's going? Somebody's going to Mars. Who's going to Jupiter? Everybody's going to say, thus saith the Lord. Now, now watch this now. Thank God that our congregation was more mature than that. They sat there and smiled. Smiled. Nice. Not one person left and went anywhere. Why? It wasn't God. It was the man trying to impress us. Okay, I know another story with that, but I don't have time for that. So you see what I'm saying? But, but, but when you read a, a message from God in the scriptures, it's not tainted. It's not coming through a vessel, a human vessel. It is, it is the pure, unadulterated word of God. You can stake your life on that. Is never going to back off from his word. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, this is another really, really good one. I want you to really think about this, okay? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his, God's, divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, watch this now, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, 
Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, through what? Through the promises. Through the promises. I want to make sure that I'm reading this right. Through these, the promises, he has given us very great, uh, through these, through his power, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate. And look at this, look at this. And what? Why? Why is it important for you to participate? Why is it important for you to be under his divine nature? Because you got an assignment on your life. And if you're depleted, if you're constantly dealing one sickness after the other. Now, I'm not saying this. To, don't get into guilt and condemnation. Just start believing God. If you have an assignment on your life, and you're depleted, and it's one sickness after another. You try to get out of bed, you're so tired, you can't even come to church. How are you going to accomplish that assignment? God wants us free. He wants us free. Now, here, let's flip this a little bit now. Watch this now. If you're so strapped for cash that every day you have to use every ounce of your faith to go buy a quart of milk, you're going to be so preoccupied in your mind, how are you going to help somebody else? How are you going to answer the call to his assignment? You're like, I would go, but I need milk for my kids. God doesn't want us living like that. God wants our needs met so that you can go and be used to help somebody else get them out from under that cloud of, of just a worry and financial pressure. Are you listening to me? It has nothing to do with whether you're going to buy 16 houses and drive beautiful cars and be able to take 20 vacations a year. It's got nothing to do with that. It has to do with that you would have what you need to accomplish what he's called you to do. That's what it's all about. That's prosperity. That's divine health, that you have the presence of mind. You have clarity. You're strong enough to get out of bed, get in your car, and go to some place that God tells you, I want you to go to such and such a place. There's going to be a person there. When you get there, I want you to talk to them. Tell them that I love them. It's plain to see that everything that God has given us to enjoy, a good life, a good life, I mean, of being useful, has been revealed to us. Well, let me go back. Let me go back. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Okay. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our, through our knowledge of him, through our knowledge of him, through, through our knowledge. How are you going to get this divine power? How are you going to walk in everything that God's supplying to you? Through what? Through, his, through what? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse 4. Through these, he has given us his great and precious promises so that you may participate in divine nature. And how is all this going to come? Where does the root, where does it start? What is the first step? The knowledge of him. Can, I know it's not in my notes, but can you go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15? Uh, New King James is good. Watch this. Pastor, I thought we were talking about healing tonight. Yeah, but we got to start someplace. See, if you come here 
and you don't want to gain some knowledge of the word, what you're saying is, Pastor, I don't care about this stuff. I just want you to get me healed. Now, now let's say, let's say the Holy Spirit allowed us tonight to just lay hands on people and see them instantaneously healed. Next week, there's a good possibility that 90% of the people that got healed are going to come back because the symptoms are trying to come back. So if, but if you learn some things, when the symptoms try to come back, you go, oh, no. No, no, no. No, I know what the Word of God says. I know who I am in Christ. I know that Jesus died so that I would walk in this healing. Symptoms, you got to go in Jesus' name because I know I've already experienced my healing. Watch this now. Are you getting this? See, see you're, you're, you're going to walk out here dangerous tonight. Because you're going to know way more than when you walked in. And the devil's not going to be able to get away with some of the stuff in your life that he's gotten away with before. Watch this now. Paul's pre- Paul writes a letter to the church at Ephesus, and he tells them how he's been praying for them. Watch this now. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your what? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the saints. That's an important ingredient. Next verse. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's the prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Read it the next, the rest of it with me. In the knowledge of him. Next verse. That the eyes of your understanding, your spirit, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Where does it all start, Paul said? In the knowledge of him. You want to pray for me? That's the prayer I want you to pray for me. Whenever God puts me on your heart, don't go around and oh, God bless, Pastor. God bless me. Bless me how? What if the blessing you're praying for, I already got a stockpile. What if the blessing I really need is the spirit of wisdom and revelation? In what? In the knowledge of God. That's what I want you to pray for me. I get people asking, so Pastor, how can I pray for you? Pray that Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, 16, 17 prayer. Why? Because if I got wisdom, I'll know how to get everything else. If I get revelation in the, in the knowledge of him, guess who's going to be the recipient of that revelation? You are. But watch this now. If I need faith to receive my healing, yes or no? Yes. So that the grace of God can be released in my life, it starts with faith, and faith comes by and hearing the word of God. So then I need to get more of the word in me just, like, just treat it like it's vitamin C. So that when I get the word in me, then that word that gets in me, that is now opening my eyes of my understanding, is giving me revelation. And that's going to come through the knowledge of him. You see, because any, well, this is good. Any area that we are ignorant of God's word in is an area that we're susceptible to the devil. He's not going to hit you where you're strong. 
That would be stupid. He's going to hit you where you're ignorant. Remember how he tested Jesus to see if Jesus? You know, because the devil doesn't know everything. You realize that? So when Jesus first shows up on the scene, he's like, it could be him. I don't know. Because there's others that have showed up and said they were him. And I don't know if it's him. And so what happens? What's the very first thing that happens to Jesus after he's baptized? He's led into the wilderness. By who? The Holy Spirit. And he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the last part of that fast, when he's the weakest, the enemy comes to kind of poke and see. You know? You know when you go to the doctor, the doctor says, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. You got the spot. So he's like, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus hits him with the word. I don't want to go into this because, man, you guys made me waste all that time. <laughs> I don't want to go into that. But what I'm saying is the enemy is going to come and see where you're strong and where you're weak. And where you're weak, he's going to try to exploit that. You see what I'm saying? That's why if you're dealing with sickness and disease right now, don't just think that, well, I'll just read the Bible. No, but read the Bible where? What, what, what parts of the Bible? Well, you know, I really like that book of Revelation book because it's like I like science fiction. <laughs> you finding out about the Antichrist is not going to bring healing to you. Amen. Leave the Antichrist alone. When he shows up, we're not supposed to be here anyway, so don't worry about it. Go find out what the word says about your situation. Healing. Now, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, don't don't go there right now. I'm just telling you to go home because maybe we're going to talk about it in the future. It gives you 14 verses of blessings, but then it gives you I think 44 or almost 50 verses of curses. And there's some colorful ones in there. I mean, it covers everything. Swollen gums, hemorrhoids, the whole, I mean, everything. You may have to read it like like this. But listen to me, okay? Now, I'd be afraid if I was an Israelite under the Old Testament. But watch this now. But Jesus bore on himself, oh my God, every one of those curses, because those curses were supposed to come on those who broke the law. Jesus having become a curse for us. You listening to me? So all of those sicknesses, all of those diseases, ulcers, you just go go read it. He took them all on himself. And Isaiah said, and by his stripes, we could say it this way, and by his wounds, we're healed. You listening to me? But you see, if you don't know that, then the devil will try to get over on you. Are you listening to me? The battle of the ages is not between good and evil. The battle of eternity is between lies 
and truth. And that's why it tells us in the Gospel of John that truth and grace came by Jesus Christ. The Bible, whether you have it on your phone or you have it on your lap or you have it at home, that Bible is a revelation of the truth of God. And you are going to have to come to the point where you let it saturate your life and saturate your life and saturate your life to the point where as soon as something shows up in your life that is contrary to the Word of God, you go, oh, no. No, 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 no. Well, you know, you got this disease because, you know, your mother had it, your grandmother had it, and her grandmother had it. No, 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 no. The bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ has cut this. Otherwise, you start walking around like some stupid people. Now, now you wouldn't do it because you're in the room here and you're smart. But some people will go, you know what? My uncle died at such and such an age. I guess that's what's going to happen to me. And my father had this disease. I guess it's going to happen to me. Guess what the devil goes? You listening to me? You got to know who you are in Christ. You are a child of God. You have been purchased by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know what the word says so that you can counter the lies of the devil and say, no, this is what the truth is. This is what the word of God says. And that's it. You listening to me? Let me see if there's anything else before you leave. No, I guess we'll get to number two next week. I'm not kidding you. These are the same notes I started out with three weeks ago. Listen to me. This stuff is so alive to me. Because if Jesus paid for it, I want it. I don't think that dishonors him. I think it dishonors him if we don't press in to receive everything he suffered for. That's ungrateful. The best way for you and I to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he suffered for in this earth is to receive everything he promised us. It's a glimpse of heaven that you and I bring to this earth by faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, it's been three weeks. Tonight, if you so desire, and I'd really still like you to wait another week, but if there's anybody here, I sense tonight, there might be somebody here where it's a time-sensitive thing, that you need prayer for healing. Come up here. The prayer team that's on the front row is trained to pray for you. We have faith that God's gonna move on your behalf. Now, now listen to me. Don't come up here saying, well, let me go see what I get. Let me see, maybe it'll happen. Don't do that. Don't do that, because you probably, unless, unless the Holy Spirit desires to just, nah, let him have it. You, you, listen to me. We, we talked about receiving by faith tonight. If you don't think you're there yet, then do yourself a favor. Wait, go home, read, this, read the scriptures I talked about, maybe get the recording, wait till tomorrow, it'll be online, listen to it again, listen to it a couple times. Why? Because I want you to get it. Because you see, if you don't get it tonight, you will have established a negative track record in your heart. And the next time, you're going to be afraid to go and pray, get prayed again. And I don't want that to happen. This should be easy. Amen? But it's based on your knowledge of the Word. Now, now, there are times when the Holy Spirit moves in a supernatural way, apart from human involvement. 
And if he chooses to do that, praise God. There were times we see in Jesus' ministry where people didn't even know who he was and they received their healing. Okay? For instance, you remember the story, I'm going to make this real quick, I'm paraphrasing. You remember the story of the pool of Bethesda? Okay? There was a pool there in Jerusalem or outside Jerusalem, somewhere in there, where they would bring sick people. They said there was a multitude of sick people, most of them invalids. And they waited for the waters to move because they believed an angel would come down and stir the waters, and the first person to jump in gets it. Now, Jesus is there, and it says there's a multitude of people that are sick. But only one guy got healed. Now, it wasn't that Jesus was not willing, but the Holy Spirit moved on one man and told Jesus, this is what you're to do. Now, I'm not saying that to discourage you, but there is a difference between receiving your healing by faith and, and an outright just miracle, okay? Now, it's not impossible that God's going to do an outright miracle. But it's very clear from Scripture that the majority of individuals that received healing from Jesus received it by faith. You see over and over again in the Scriptures, Jesus would say, your faith has made you whole, Okay? Just laying it out for you. So if you believe, and you're here tonight, you go, I've got this. This is mine. Come on up for prayer. Amen? If not, wait till next week. Let's see where the level is. Okay? Does that make sense? All right? So if you're going to come up for prayer, come on up. If not, God bless you. You're dismissed. Make sure you don't miss this weekend. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.